change is a given, though change can be hard, but we have the confidence that God does not change, ever. And and so we are grateful for that. And the implications of God's unchangeableness, they run far and wide. And it's been a joy to talk with some of you this week and have you share how just that thought of God's immutability, that God doesn't change, how God's used that truth and in, in great ways in your life, even this week. So this morning, we're going to continue this theme of change before we get back to John 4 next Sunday. And my hope that while there's a lot that is maybe changing and, and, and things are moving in, in the church, there are that the church will be this place of stability for you. And it's designed to be that. It's a, it's a stability zone. And that change is will be a part of the church. It, it always will be. It's, it's supposed to be. That it's always to be growing and adjusting and stretching and repenting and, and, and moving and reaching. That's healthy. Churches that don't have the right, do the right kind of change, they end up withering and ultimately dying. And we have the, a landscape in our nation and that is evidence of that. But on the other hand, there, there have to be constants. There have to be certain things that do not, will not ever change. There's certain beliefs and practices. And, and so we're going to work with that this morning. And so I'm just thinking of the realm of parenting. One of the goals that we have as parents and have, have talked about even from the beginning is that we want our kids to be able to handle change. Um, we, we want them to be flexible. We want them to be able to adjust to changes in circumstances and, and in routine. We, we don't want them to just absolutely lose it when their schedule is altered in even the slightest way. And uh, I know you, you deal with this, especially when you're new parents. We had our firstborn. You, you know, you have, the, you have the schedule. And naps are on like 2.04 p.m. to 3.46. You know, they need to be in a nap. And if it's two minutes short, then that just is going to ruin them for the whole day. And so you do all of these things to keep the schedule. And now there is... I'm all for scheduling, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And, but I, I tell you, as a pastor, that just that went out the window right away because that's just not doable uh, with with our family life. It would be disastrous. But but we don't want to we don't want to live as parents with the, with our whole ambition being uh, that we're going to revolve around our children's schedule. We want them to be able to flex and to go and stay up later sometimes and to eat earlier. And you know they're they're just going to have to they're going to have to adjust. And so that said, we also don't want a home that's totally chaotic. We want there to be, we want there to be order in our home. We want, we, our kids need structure. Uh, we need structure. We, we need routines that can be counted upon and things, those things that don't change and, and there's safety, there's security, there's comfort, there's help in those constants. So we have to maintain that, that tension between rigidity and flexibility and, 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 and all of that. So that, that's also what we want as a church. Um, that's, I think, one of the goals. And I think one of the things we've exemplified, and I'm thankful for this church. We, we want to be able to adjust quickly. We want to be able to seize these opportunities that God gives us and surprises us with. And we want to, we want to take calculated risk for the sake of the gospel. We want to, we want to be led by God's Spirit and, and we, we want to be, Interruptible. We want to be adaptable as a church. And so that, that's certainly something we want. But in order to function like that, we have to have the stability of certain givens. There have got to be those constants in the church. We're not just going to chase after the wind and, 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 and be blown around by all kinds of new ideas and, 
and, and, and that kind of thing. We need to be tethered to constants, to biblical truth, to biblical convictions, to biblical practices, to biblical priorities, to biblical mission. And so there are those things that can't change. We need that safety net. I mean, you think of a trapeze artist. They, they, they enjoy the freedom to try new things and to, and to, 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 to dare new feats because they know that if they fall, there's a net that will catch them. And we kind of, the, 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 the the givens, the constants of Scripture that God has given to His church that we're going to see in Acts, they, they give us that, that, that freedom then to, to venture out and trust God for, for, for opportunities that He sets before us. And so that's what, that's what I'm thinking. Again, I'm thankful for Baraka's legacy here. We, you hold these things in tension. You have, we have as a church really well, I think. We, we have a long-standing commitment to sound doctrine, to the authority of Scripture. And we're not, we're not, we've not moved from that. And I'm grateful. And I've seen churches that have, but we have not. And we value Bible exposition and reading and studying the Scriptures and, 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 and memorizing the Bible and applying Scripture and counseling Scripture. And I'm grateful for that. But I'm also grateful for the flexibility of this flock. We've gone through changes. We've, 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 a lot's changed. The leadership structure changed in this church at one time. We went to plurality of elders. The, the locations changed. The music styles changed. The senior pastors changed. I know that was the hardest one to stomach, but, um, so, 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 but I'm thankful for this body. And, and, and so, what I want is just in the few moments we have left to just help us think, um, think, feel, pray our way through this season. And, and, um, and and to focus on those parts of the church that don't change. And so this is a little abnormality in terms of preaching. And what I've done, basically, I, I took time a couple of days, basically, and just read through the book of Acts um, from chapter 1 to chapter 28. And, and I was just reading really slowly and making notes, taking note of those things in the church that do not change and those things that do change. And And so... I had this long scratch sheet. It was completely ineligible, illegible, um, and and you, there's no way you could read it. But I have all these little notes and verse references and lines drawn here and connecting things together. And so I tried to pull out of that. And what I came up with is a 15 point outline, and I have about 15 minutes. So that ain't gonna happen. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna cover several of these, and I'll just have to breeze by some. This will be a sermon series in the future, I can assure you. So just be ready for that. So we just want to see. We're gonna focus on those things again that are the that are the same today as they were in the church when it was in its infancy. To just show us again that how the church gives us this, this stability and allows us the freedom. To pursue these goals and to set vision and to look forward to what God is doing and to make adjustments and, and those things that we have all freedom to change. So that's what I want us to see. The first thing we'll see, as you see, and again, we do not have time to look at all these verse references. So I'm giving you kind of the icing on the cake of just the, my study this week and we'll look at some scripture passages and acts, but you, you don't want to eat icing all the time. You'd get sick, but every once in a while a spoonful's fine. We'll be back to beef and potatoes and broccoli next week and john and but let's enjoy just a scoop of icing just of what we see in acts here first thing that we see is that jesus is still in charge he is still in charge when acts opens what we what do we find in acts chapter one christ is calling the shots he tells the disciples this is where you're going to go this is when you're going to be there okay you need to go there, and then, and then I'm going to come, and I'm going to meet you there. And when they get there, he says what he says to them shows his absolute authority over them. 
and over over there over the church. He says, it is not for you to know times or seasons, verse 7 of chapter 1. It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus ascends. He goes back to the Father in heaven to do what? Take a nap? To, to, to move on to the next project? No, what is He doing? He's, he's reigning. He's on his, he's on the throne, verse 30 of chapter 2. He's ruling his Lord. As, as Stephen gazed into heaven before he, he died, he saw the Lord standing, Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He's still active. He still reigns after he's ascended. He, he meets Saul and stops him in his violent tracks and changes his life. He's, he's still working. He's, he's still the living head of this living body that's the church. He's still the, the, the chief cornerstone of the, of this, of this building. He's still the patriarch of this living spiritual family, the church. He's active. He's with us. He's working. He's reigning. He's, he's leading. He's providing. He's praying. He's, he's accomplishing. He's advancing. He's calling. He's saving. He's sanctifying. He's keeping. He's active. Jesus is still in charge. This isn't our church that He's kind of just given us and then one of these days we'll give it back. No, He's ruling. He's the head of this body. Second thing that has not changed is that the Bible is still our foundation. We have this rock-solid, unshifting foundation in God's Word. The church isn't built upon human traditions or, or man-made rules or or human philosophies, or or public opinion, the church is built on the solid bedrock of biblical truth. That's that's never going to change. Disciples are gathered there in the upper room after, uh, after Jesus' ascension, ascension, and they're they're what, what do we, where do we go? What are they? What's the first thing that they say? Every decision for them is is based upon for it is written. And that's where they go. They go to the scriptures. And then they, as they preach the gospel, what is it? it's just filled with scripture. You look through those sermon texts in Acts, and as you scan through those chapters of Acts, you see those indented Old Testament references. They're just oozing scripture. That's their authority. That's everything to them. And, and early on, though, it's not just the Old Testament that was the foundation for the church, but also the apostles' teaching. And we read this in chapter 2 there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Ephesians 2.20 says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So as, so, so the, the church has this unchanging foundation. And as unchanging as that is, what does the church do? It's always growing. It's always growing in the knowledge of the truth. Always being strengthened in the, in the faith. And so it's not that it leads us to stagnancy. We're like, we just have this old dusty, dead orthodoxy. No, this biblical truth, it's always something we grow in and we apply to our lives and we counsel. And that's what you find out happening throughout the book of Acts. The pattern was the gospel would be preached and people would be saved and churches would be started. And then what would happen is they would spend years teaching and the apostles would go around strengthening these churches and believers and teaching oftentimes, you know, a year or more, just training the, these, these new disciples in the scriptures, always growing, always, always strengthening their confidence in the, in the foundation of scripture that does not change. And that's what we need to be committed to. 
The Bible, the Bible is our rudder. If, 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 if we remove it from its rightful place of authority and, and centrality, then we will be shipwrecked as a church. And again, their church history is littered with those kinds of shipwrecks. And so whatever changes may come here, whether we change the name or not, staff changes, program changes, building changes, music changes, you can be assured that you, you have a stability zone here in the church and that, this, this, that we will not budge in our commitment to the authority and the inerrancy and the reliability and the sufficiency of the scriptures. This is a rock that we will not budge from. Continue to preach through the Bible verse by verse and teach through the scriptures and theological training. And, and honestly, this is to the, the day we give that up is the day I'm out of here. Because this is the only thing that keeps me sane. If this was, if this was what we did every week, I, I'd lose it. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad. I'm, this is exciting stuff. But I want to be in the scriptures. I want to know what God has spoken. And I want to apply that to my own life first and then help us see the application as a church. And so that's, that's what we're going to be committed to. And that's not changing. Third thing that, that's constant is that the Holy Spirit is still on the move. He's still on the move. In Acts, the Spirit is living, He's powerful, He's active, and He's personal. He's, he's always moving. He comes in fulfillment of Jesus' promise to His disciples there in Acts 1.8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. As, as the Spirit comes, He's referred oftentimes as the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's a, he's a present to the church. He, he's, he's working. He's still with us. He fills us. He directs us. These are some of the things that we learn in Acts. He fills us, directs us, protects us, emboldens us, liberates us, helps us, sends us out. He commissions us. He gives us gifts. He opens doors for the gospel. He breaks down, breaks down barriers to the gospel. He shuts mouths. He opens eyes. He teaches us. He bears witness to Jesus. He convicts us of sin. He exposes us. He grows us. I mean, there will be others that we could add. Spirit is active. He's working. We want to be a church that, that is, that is led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Who's not passive. He's not the passive, silent, dormant, kind of spare tire of the, the Holy Trinity. No, he's, he's alive. He's moving. He's working. And, and, and he needs to be, we need to realize that we need to, we need to move forward with that firmly fixed in our eyes. The Spirit is work. It's his fruit needs to be produced in us in greater measure than we've ever known. Love and joy, peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We want to see that grow even more. We want, we want, we want to walk in step with him. We want him as illuminating work as we study the scriptures together. We, we need to be filled and controlled by him in all of our assemblies so that we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord together. We want to be directed by Him, strengthened by Him as we live on mission with Him. So that's unchanging. Fourth, and I'm going to have to step on it. The mandate that we have is still in effect. The same mission that constrained Paul and Barnabas and, and, and Timothy and, and, and Peter and, and Priscilla and Aquila, that's the same mission that compels us today. Our, mar- our marching orders haven't changed. It was there in Acts 1-8. You shall be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And Jesus gave the same charge in, earlier in Matthew 28. And 
It's elsewhere also. But go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. That's, that's the mission. That's the mandate that we said does not change. P- Peter knew that he and others in Acts 10.42, they were commanded to preach to the people and to testify to Christ. That's what we want to do. Jesus hasn't left us guessing. It's not for ours to determine what our mission is as a church for each generation, for each geographic location. The mission remains the same. Now, it's expressed in different ways, but this is the mission. And, and, and we, need to, we need to keep, keep our heading as Jesus has set it for us and resolve to stay on it. And, and that's what we want to do. Fifth, the gospel is still changing lives. The gospel is still changing lives. The leading edge of the early church was the gospel of Jesus Christ. What it, it was Jesus Christ and Him crucified, risen again. That's what they preached. That's what they, that's what they labored so hard to make known and to, and to, to, to apply in the churches. And, and, and it was always on their lips and public preaching and private conversations and church gatherings. It was, it was, it was it. It was Christ crucified and risen. And as that gospel was proclaimed, lives were radically transformed. The world was turned upside down. And so, at times you see whole crowds of people trusting in Jesus, being born again as the gospel is preached publicly. And then you see just individual conversations where, where the gospel is, is proclaimed and explained and, and, a, and a life is transformed, brought from darkness to light. Jews and Gentiles, outcasts and and government officials, and priests, and pagans. The gospel is the power of God to save all who believe. And so you have the, again, there's just, I got so many references here. In chapter 13, you don't, you're not going to be able to turn there, but I'm just going to read a few. In chapter 13, I'm just reading a few verses. Verse 12, the proconsul believed. Verse 48, many Gentiles believed, as, as many as were appointed to eternal life. Chapter 14, verse 1, a great number of both Jews and Greeks believe. Verse 21, they preached the gospel and made many disciples. Chapter 17, verse 4, many of them believe with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. And verse 12, and, and verse 34, men joined them and believed. And on and on and on, as, as you read through, it was just, it was a worship experience just to read through the book of Acts and just a couple of settings and, and just say, God, the gospel is powerful to save. It doesn't need to be propped up. It doesn't need my help. It just needs to be unleashed and proclaimed. Christ crucified and risen and God works through it. The power of His Spirit and changes lives. You know it. Your lives have been changed by it. And, and so just, uh, that has not changed. He's still changing lives today through the gospel. It needs to be the leading edge of our church. We're not, the, 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 the what we lead with is not, is not our, um, it's not, it's not something like our morality. It's not our political agenda. It's not our social cause. It's not family values. It's not some lifestyle that we think is important. No, what we lead with, it's the gospel of Christ. That's what we're to be known by as a church and you as individual members of this body. And so, that's gotta, that's gonna, that's the lifeblood of everything we do. It's, and that hasn't changed and won't change. Gospel still changes life. Sixth, prayer is still powerful. Prayer is still powerful. I just, I just, I'm gonna have to, gonna have to skip some of these. But as the church moves forward in the book of Acts, everything is bathed in tear-soaked prayer. 
everything, all the, every time there's a decision, they, they pray. Whenever the church gathers, they pray. They pray for boldness when they're, when they're faced with persecution. They pray for persecuted brothers and sisters. They pray when workers are sent out and, and they pray for the churches that send them. And just on and on and on prayer. We, 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 we as a church, we need to be mindful that we need God. We're dependent upon Him. We don't have what it takes. We need the Lord. So we pray. This is, it's desperate wartime prayer. Seventh, the ordinances are still essential. Okay, while, while certain the practices and expressions of those practices may change and vary from generation to generation and from, uh, from ge- geographical locations, I mean, our worshiping assembly looks different than it does in Senegal, though it's the, we have the same practices in the sense. And that's what I would say. There are those things that are fixed, that, that traverse generational geographic lines. They are givens. I mean, there are those things like preaching and singing and fellowship and praying and fellowship uh, and leadership that, that are always going to be a ch- part of the church's practice, though the expression will vary in those things. But in a deeper way, the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, they're anchors for us. They're givens. The Lord gave us these and these, these symbols, reminders, the, the table is set before us to remember Christ, His broken body, His shed blood and and that's that's just an anchor, tether for us. And baptism, the symbol of the our union with Christ, and death and resurrection, and identity, our new life with Him. So those those don't change. And so we're we're not free to find modern replacements for those. Those are those are still essential. Opposition is inevitable. Number eight. Opposition is inevitable. I ran out of room writing all the verse references here. I mean, there were so many. Passages and acts that show the, just the opposition to the gospel to the church. Wherever the gospel goes, opponents are either already there or they, they're right behind. And, and it's just a given in the church. And as soon as the gospel take, takes root, it shows up and it never lets up throughout acts. And it hasn't to today. It takes different forms and it looks different in our context, but Jesus is still opposed today. Sometimes that the, through organized religion, sometimes through government, sometimes through businesses, sometimes just through random individuals. It comes in all different forms, but it's, it's, it's a reality. And so it was a reality in Acts, it's a reality today. Nine, sin still plagues us. There, there isn't oppo- just an opposition from without and persecutors. There's, there's, there's decay from within. I mean, we have, we have, the church will never be immune from sin and its effects because we're part of it. We bring it, and and it's always going to be a problem in the church. You see it in Acts. You see the church with its warts and, and all exposed there. I mean, in the most obvious situation like Ananias and Sapphira and the lying and the greed, but it's other places too throughout Acts, and it's, it's, it's still true in our day. And so we're going to have to be mindful of that. The sin is always going to be a problem. We're going to have to deal with it. This is why we have to have the gospel. It's got to be the leading edge of everything. Number 10. Conflicts still threaten us. Conflicts still threaten us. Chapter 15 is is one of the places you see it most clearly in the book of Acts. You have the Jerusalem Council. There's The text says much debate over, over the theology and the practice of including Gentiles, former pagan Gentiles, into the church. How is that going to work out? How, does it, how are they going to fold in with those Jewish believers? And, and so they, they, they debate this, they work this out, and, and it looked like this could be this significant divide that would just split the early church. But they work through it. And they, they, and they resolved it. 
And then you get a very personal. So that's kind of the, the, the macro. And then you have the micro. You have this personal, sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas in, in Acts 15, verses 37 and 39, about whether they should take this guy, John Mark, along with them. Now, I feel pity this guy. I mean, he's having to listen. I don't know if he's hearing this, this argument about whether he's worth taking or not. But, but here's the greatest apostle, Paul, and the son of encouragement, Barnabas, who just can't get along. They can't come to agreement. So they separate and go their own ways. Of course, later we know that, that, that this is resolved. And Paul says, and when he's in Second Timothy before he dies, he says, send me John Mark. He'll be useful. He's useful to me. And so he commends this young man. But, but I just say there's going to be, there's going to be conflict. Even as we work through this, this, over the next five years, we put these things in place. There's going to be disagreements. We're going to see things differently. And we've got to work through that. We've got to commit to stay at the table, to resolve things, to, to be peacemakers in the church, um, to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's, that's got to be, that's a given. Eleven, hurting people still need help. Hurting people still need help. There are all kinds of different needs that arise in the early church. You have... Right there at the beginning, you have needs for food and shelter. You have all these believers that have migrated to Jerusalem for Pentecost. The gospel is preached. They believe and they they stay and are taught. So they need places to stay and they need food. So the church just comes up with a way of of caring for these pilgrims. You have widows who need extra help. You have famine that enters in. You have prisoners. And so churches, there's needs that show up and the church is responding and meeting the needs within the church. And there's, there's always going to be those physical needs and those will change over time. And we need to be, we need to be able to adapt and meet those needs. But needs will, will be a guarantee. The Christian life is to be a shared life. Koinonia. This is, we're to, to live with this biblical community where we bear one another's burdens. Twelve. New frontiers still remain. New frontiers still remain. Jesus set the trajectory of, for the church in a statement of remission. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So start in Jerusalem where you're gathered and then go to you, till there's no place else left to go. We still haven't reached that place yet. There's still places where the gospel hasn't been proclaimed and hasn't penetrated and, 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 and so, but this is exactly what we see unfolding in Acts. And this is the outline of Acts. And the gospel is moving out and going further and to, 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 to those that haven't yet been exposed to the gospel. And so, so, so you see in Acts and they, they, what you, as again, just reading through it in a quick pace, you just see that the early church, they put their foot on the gas, just stomped on it, never let up. Just keep going and going and going and going. And it's this city and this town and this region. And they just keep moving. And they move by on land and they move on sea. And they're just always going, pushing, pushing, pushing. I just say as a church, let's not, let's not let our foot off the accelerator in missions. Let's keep pushing and keep supporting and keep sending and keep praying and keep, keep encouraging and helping and Plotting and strategizing. <coughs> Thirteen. Almost there. New workers are still needed. New workers are needed. We think of Acts. We think of the big names. We think of Paul and Peter and <coughs> Barnabas and some other key players that we know well. But as you read through, there's, 
There's all these names that I'm not going to pronounce. I can't pronounce hardly. And so I'm not going to take the time to read them now. But I've got about 20 different names of these people you've never heard of unless you've just, you've just seen them as you've read, read through. But just these people that have come to Christ and they sent out and they go out and they're preaching Christ and, and they're working. They're, that, that people come, people go. People are saved and workers for Christ. People are born, people die and they move off the scene and yet the work goes on. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's the, the history of this church. I mean, I remember when we came 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago, there were, there were people that I thought would be here forever, that were right in the middle of things, and for whatever reason, through death or through uh, just moving or whatever reason, they're not here. And yet, church goes on, and, and some of us will, be, will pass off the scene, and, and, and churches go on. So people come, people go, but one constant is there's always the need for and I don't mean just, I'm not talking about sign-up sheets where you, you, you know, we're not, this is not a nursery worker sign-up morning or anything. I mean, it's great if you want to sign up for the nursery. That's tremendous and encourage that. But, um, but I just mean all of us involved in this disciple-making work. And we, we, it's new people come constantly, lives being transformed, becoming servants of Jesus Christ. Fourteen, growth still goes on. Again, Jesus promised, I will build my church. Gates of Hades will not. Prevail against it. And through Acts, that's what we see. Jesus building his church. Nothing stops it. And so the, the, the church is deeply rooted in scriptures and the apostles teaching and, and, and tethered to that singular mission of Christ to make disciples. And yet it's just growing like crazy. In the face of opposition. So you just see these little, all of those little notes and it, that Luke gives us, you know, 3,000 souls added. Um, and one day, the Lord had added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Many of those who heard the word believed, and the number came to be about 5,000, and all of these little comments along the way. And again, you just read them in sequence, and it just gives you, God is, God is active. He's working. The gospel is changing. It's growing. We plant. We water. God gives the growth, but we need to be faithful, sowing, sowing and watering the seed of the gospel. We'll see how God increases it. And then the last thing, there's still more to learn. There's still more to learn. The church always needs to be taught, always needs to be built up in the faith. We always need to be taught truth and shown how it applies to our lives. Um, much of the work, I said this earlier, but much of the work in the early church was just strengthening the church. Going back and strengthening these new believers, strengthening these young churches, Constantly, constantly growing, constant changes. And, and this, this is, we, we, we need to be committed to that too. Constantly sending our roots deeper and deeper and deeper into God's word and, and into the soil of the gospel and the soil of his word and the soil of his son, Jesus Christ. And as those roots run deeper, what happens? The church can grow and go broader. Deeper roots, broader reach. That's what we, that's what we want as a church. In, in Acts chapter 16, 5, which I put in the bulletin just as kind of a place marker for, but I, but I, I think it sums up, uh, I guess what I'm trying to communicate this morning. In Acts 16, 5, this is one of those little kind of comments that Luke makes as a summary statement. He says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. So strengthened the faith, deep roots into those unchanging, that unchanging faith. It's a biblical doctrine. And yet they're, 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 they increased in numbers daily. They're 
broad reach as a church. Let's pray. Lord, we want, we want you to be the architect and the power behind everything that we do. We're not, we're not coming to you asking you, God, to, to put your stamp of, of, stamp of approval on our little, our little five-year plan, our ideas that we put on paper and for you to give us the okay. That's not it. We're, we, our confidence is not in, in goals. Our confidence is in you. It's in your power to enable us to carry out the mission that you've given to us, Lord, to the glory of your name. And so keep us tethered to you. Keep us tethered to your mission, to your word. The mission is yours. The power is yours, comes from you. And, and the fruit, any, any good fruit that comes is all for your glory. So help us to, to be mindful out of this as we move forward in these things, Lord. Give us, give us deeper roots as a church. Go deeper in, into you. Give us broader reach as a, as a body in our community, in our families, and around this world, Lord, for the glory of your name. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.